Amen. You may be seated. Let's just thank our team. I just love, I love that spirit right there. Thank you, God. Appreciate that. How many agree? We we need we need like at least one female up here singing, right? Something. I mean, at some point, working on it. All right. I know you. I know you are. I know you are. Oh. I am so glad you're here this morning as we continue our series going through the uh, the book of Jonah. And we're calling it the pursuit of God, uh, which oftentimes when we hear that phrase, pursuit of God, we we think of um, us pursuing him, which is good. But in this case, it's God pursuing Jonah. And, uh, and we talked about how God pursued Jonah because he wants to pursue Nineveh. And in a similar way, I believe God's going to pursue you and me because there's others out there who need to know him, who God cares about, who God has compassion for. Uh, and, and here's a newsflash. He has compassion for even if you and I don't have compassion for him. Because God can change our heart. God can change our heart. So God pursued Jonah. Because he wanted to pursue Nineveh. So we're going to walk through chapter 3 today. And as we do, I want to kind of hone in a little bit on that word obedience. Being obedient to the call of God. Being obedient to the word of God. Being obedient to the scriptures. Uh, being, being obedient to the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Being obedient to God. Now, obedience is a, is a word for many of us that we, we understand it. Uh, for others... But we don't necessarily like it for us. Right? I mean, we want our kids to be obedient. Come on, one parent. Just give me one. We, we want, we want, uh, if we're working, if we're overseeing people at work, especially if we have a company, we want them to be obedient to the instructions we give them. I'm going to get someone to say amen here in a second. You know. <laughs> So we, we like that word as long as it's for, now, but here's the, the other thing we know. We know that when we're obedient to God, there comes tremendous benefit from it. Even if it goes against our instincts or our, 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 our compulsions, we know that when we're obedient to God, something good's going to come from it. We feel the provision of God, the protection of God. We have the peace of God. I mean, how many of you like living with a, a clear conscience? A clear conscience. A clear... You know, one thing I discovered about my marriage, many things. We are better together for sure. But if I can communicate to Sharon... Anyone want to finish the sentence? I can communicate to anybody. That's like my... Yeah. So God set me up. Um, a clear, how many like living with a clear conscience? You're, you're not, you're not having to remember what you told somebody that might have been different from what you told somebody else, right? You're not, you're not speaking lies and feeling guilt and shame for it, right? You have a clear conscience. You're able to, to live in truth, speak truth, uh, and, and you live in peace. You sleep in peace. You wake up. In peace, how much does peace work to you? Because God wants you to give, God wants you to live in peace. The Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That doesn't mean your circumstances might not be chaotic, 
But inside you, there's a peace and there's a calm. But obedience has so many benefits. And, and we're going to see here uh, with Jonah that he's going to finally be obedient to the call of God. The, the call of God that he was running from, that he was running from. And here's how we start chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. He got a second chance to do the right thing, the right way. He got a second chance to do the right thing, the right way. As I was reading that, I was thinking about my life, and how many times God's given me a second chance? Third chance. Fourth chance. Fifth chance. Some of you going, no, higher, higher, higher. <laughs> but Jonah gets another chance to do the right thing the right way. And this is the God we serve. God is committed to you. He's in covenant with you. He's in relationship with you. The work he started in you, he will finish. He will finish. He will complete. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? He's made a, a guarantee to you with the deposit of the Holy Spirit that one day you'll be with him forever and ever and ever and ever with a renewed heaven and earth. And on the way there, he's going to start to transform who you are to look more like his son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? you believe that today? So Jonah gets a second chance here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Let's all clap for Jonah right there. Right there, right there. Go Jonah. Now he, he's, he's on a high here. He's going to dip again. We'll, we'll see that in the story. He just can't stay high. He's got to dip. He's got a you know, mountaintop valley. You, you know, some people, I don't know if you know anyone like this. Uh, but they, they can snatch defeat out of victory. Do you know anyone like that? Like they could get the best news possible. And, and somehow they're not going to find the silver lining. They're going to remove any silver lining at all. They're going to, anyways, you probably, the Eeyore person. You ever met them? Anyone here know what Eeyore? Does that ring a bell? Winnie the Pooh? Am I, am I going, is that too far back for some of you? Eeyore, you know, the sky's always falling, no matter what's going on. <clears throat> so, so Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, obedience uh, is, is real critical uh, in, in how God sees us as his children. Real important. And there was a story that came to mind when I was reading this and preparing and it's in 1 Samuel 15. You might be fam- Some of you might be familiar with it. Uh, but uh, King Saul was um, instructed by God to go settle the score with an enemy of God. You know, in the Old Testament, they fought a lot. A lot, lot, lot of wars in the Old Testament. Uh, for, for, the, for the pacifists in the room, you're like, I just don't understand that. And for the, for the, uh, the non-pacifists in the room, you're like, get them, God, get them, God, you know. So we're all different. <laughs> we're all, we all have different personalities. But in the old T, man, there, there was a lot of war. And uh, there was a, a group of people that were enemies of God. And uh, God instructed us all. gave very specific instructions of what he wanted. And Saul 
went out and fulfilled about 95% of the instructions. And he thought he had done good. Like he thought, you know, nine, that's an A. Right? 95% is an A. I did good. The prophet came to Saul and said, you know what? You disobeyed God. Isn't that crazy? I mean, can you imagine doing 95% of what God wants you to do? Leaving out 5% and God saying, you disobeyed me. I mean, it sounds brutal to me. Brian, I don't know about you. That sounds kind of brutal. I mean, if my kids did 90 I'm just telling you right now, man. I'm telling you right now. As a dad raising four kids, if they did 95%, I would be like, what do you want to get at the store? Let's just go to Toys R Us. Back in the day, we didn't order online. We had to go there. You know, uh, what do you want? Any parents? 95%. But here, here, here's what happened in the scriptures. Uh, Saul is trying to justify to Samuel that he did obey God. And he mostly did. He mostly did. Um, Samuel um, said this to, to uh, Saul, King Saul. Samuel said, although you were once small in your, and it's funny, before that, uh, Samuel, uh, Saul's trying to justify himself, and, and Samuel says, stop! <laughs> I've heard enough. No more excuses. Stop, stop, stop talking. Stop talking. Wah, 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 wah. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king of Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, the A's. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Evil. 95%, and he still did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Saul said, King Saul, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agog, their king. The soldiers took sheep in battle from the plunder, and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Samuel goes on to rebuke him. He says, look, you did not obey the word of the Lord. And here's, here's my thought for us today. Let's make sure when God gives us instructions, um, let's not tell God we obeyed him unless we've obeyed him. Let's just be honest about it, right? Let's be honest about it. Uh, in a relationship, if someone asks you to do something, uh, I don't know, I don't know about where you live, but if I come back and say, hey, I did, I did four out of five. Four out of five. What about the fifth? Right? Come on, someone. What about the fifth? Well, I did, I did four out of five. That's good enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. So let's make sure that we remember this story in 1 Samuel. Obedience matters to God. So here's what Here's what um, Saul did in this story and what Jonah did earlier. 
uh, they did what the Bible would call the sin of omission. Theologically, there's sin of omission and commission. We generally focus on the sin of commission, and those are the things we did that we know we shouldn't have done. I mean, nobody here, just those online. Nobody here. Those things we know we shouldn't have done, we did. The sin of omission is when we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. Well, that's a game changer, isn't it? I mean, I can sin by not doing what I know I'm supposed to do. I didn't do what I shouldn't do, but I also didn't do what I know God's asking me to do. Illustration, uh, maybe God's asking you to forgive somebody. And you're like, I'm not going to forgive them until they come to me. Right. That would be a sin of omission. You're not doing what you know you should do. So that was certainly uh, King Saul. And that was certainly Jonah, even though God's given him a second chance. <clears throat> There's a great quote here in the context of uh, Jonah being effective in his ministry here in a little bit. And it's from uh, Henry Nowen. I don't know if that name means anything to you. Great writer, great theologian. And uh, he wrote a great book called The Wounded Healer. And the premise of the book is this. Um, as Christians, God uses uh, wounded people to help heal other wounded people. In, in other words, you're, you're uh, some, two or three of you aren't going to like th- th- this phrase, but you're never going to be perfect. Let me say it again, just have fun. Uh, you're never going to be perfect. Some of you are going like, duh. you know. Uh, but God's going to use you anyways. God uses broken people. God uses wounded people. The, the word salvation has within the core of its definition this idea of being made whole again. Being made whole again. You and I are being made whole. God is making us whole. We're not whole. He's making us whole. He's healing us. So here's the quote. The great illusion of church leadership is to think that a man or a woman can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. By someone who's never been there. And I think of uh, 12-step ministries, specifically this morning, where people who have been there can help lead others out of there. And, and there's somewhere you've been, whether you want to admit it or not, <laughs> there's somewhere you've been where you can help others get out of where they're at. This is why it's so important as Christians to be honest and transparent about who we are and what our struggles are. This is why confession is so critical. This is why um, when we're talking to those who don't know Jesus and God may be trying to reach those people through you, through me, it's so critical that we understand this truth. People identify with our weaknesses way more than they do our strengths. Do you believe that today? <clears throat> this is why when we hear someone's testimony, we get drawn in. Because we're hearing about their struggles. Now we're also hearing about their victories. How God helped bring them to wholeness. But people will identify with your weaknesses, my weaknesses, way more than our strengths. So let's be honest and transparent as we share with those around us. As we continue the story in uh, Jonah chapter 3, uh, verse 3, it says, Now Nineveh 
was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. (laughs) I bet they believed God. I bet they believed God because a dead man was preaching to them. I mean, if you don't think the reputation of Jonah being tossed over a ship in a radical storm and being engulfed by a whale, if you don't think that story got back to the Ninevites, I just imagine that story got back to them. And here's a dead man alive again, speaking to them about his God and what he's going to do as far as judgment on them if they don't relent or repent. Just imagine that. That's power. And that's why Jesus said that the only, the only sign I'm going to give this generation is a sign of Jonah, a dead man coming back to life. That's how the Ninevites certainly would have perceived what was going on. So it says a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. That was like repentance for them. Verse 6, when, uh, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. So they had a healthy fear of God. Uh, probably a better word for us, they, they had a healthy respect for God. And here's how it works. You, you probably experienced this even as a Christian. If you don't respect God, <laughs> at some point you're going to fear God. Trust me. It's going to happen. If you respect God, you won't have to move to any kind of fear at all. But but God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. We've got to respect him for who he is. And so they're respecting God here. They're fearing God here. And they're repenting. They're doing all they can. And here's what the king says. And again, this is the this is the great city of Nineveh. This is the, this is the empire of the world we're talking about here. Uh, this king has the power of life and death in his realm, and now he's being humbled by the living God, by Jonah's God. It says here, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. That'd be fun. Your little mini golden doodle. That'd be kind of interesting, you know. Just thinking out loud here. Um, let everyone call urgently on God. Let everyone call urgently on God. Jonah's God. Jonah's God. They would have been uh, polytheistic. They would have had many gods. But specifically, they are focused now on Jonah's God. So let them call um, urgently on, on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Isn't this interesting? There's, there's confession from the king and the nobles that in light of Jonah's God, the way they're living in that kingdom is evil. Is evil. In light of God, in light of God, in comparison to God. That's why it's so critical as Christ followers uh, that we are always measuring where we are in our life with God and his word, not with your neighbor or your spouse or the person at work. Well, I'm doing pretty good compared to. 
I mean, Steve, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I'm doing good compared to so-and-so. Well, yeah, that's great. How, how are you doing compared to Jesus? See, that's a whole different conversation, right? That's a whole different conversation. i got to remind myself constantly. I've only got one measure I measure my life by, and that's Jesus Christ. That's him and the word of God. That's my measure. And so what, what I like to say is, is the, the bigger the God, the smaller the me. And the smaller my God is, the bigger I am. There's more ego. Bigger the God, less ego. Smaller the God, more ego. So that God may relent. It goes on in verse 10. When God saw, here's the compassion of God. He's so amazing. The God we serve so amazing. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Yea, God. Yea, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, you would have thought Jonah would have celebrated this, right? I mean, here he is preaching the word. People are relenting. They're turning from evil ways. And you would think he would be like so happy. I mean, can you imagine somebody you know coming to Christ and you being mad at God about it? Like they don't deserve it. I mean, you did, but they don't. Come on, help me out. I mean, you did, but they don't. I mean, Christ sacrificed on the cross. It was good for you. You know, mercy for me, judgment for thee. Come on, someone help me out. We got to make sure in the church, come on, somebody help me out. In the church, right, at the cross, in the king. well, let me put it this way, in the kingdom of God, all are welcome. In the kingdom of God, all are well. I got a little phrase down here, and it's for you to consider. And as I read it, my, my hope is somebody's going to pop in your mind immediately. Immediately. That's my hope. God is pursuing me because he wants to pursue fill in the blank. God is pursuing you because he wants to pursue fill in the blank. Who is that person? Who is that person? God is pursuing you because he wants to pursue. Let, let's just do a little experiment here. Let's have a little fun. Here's amongst a few friends. We'll make it a lab for a moment. I'm going to do this again, and you just yell out a first name. All right? Just out loud. Some of you, you're, you the extroverts will be louder than the introverts. I get that. Sorry. God is pursuing you. Because he wants to pursue. God, there you go. Praise God. God is pursuing you because he wants to pursue. Who is that? God will put that person in our heart. In the same way he pursued Jonah because he wanted to pursue Nineveh. God is pursuing us because he wants to pursue others. Let me wrap this up and we got some more music. Team can come up, the band, uh, Dave, come on up, and Ryan and Brian. Two more verses here. Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, his forbearance, and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? 
It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's the kindness of God through us that leads others to repentance, to turn from their ways and come to God. And then finally, 2 Peter 3, 9. In the context of the second coming of Jesus, Peter writes these words, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why has Jesus not come back yet? He's just waiting for others to come to know him. He wants to work through us to reach others with his compassion. Father God, thank you so much for everyone here. God, I'm so grateful for each person in this room. Father, I pray your word and your spirit and the fellowship of the believers will transform us. And God, let us let us receive your pursuit so that you can pursue others through us. In Jesus' name, amen.